Welcome to the Nativist Podcast, where we tap into our instinct and natural power to live intuitively. The ultimate goal is to leave the world healthier and more beautiful than we found it. It all starts on the individual level by cultivating our mind-body connection. Whether you're on a healing journey or just want to look and feel your best, I hope by the end you feel a little happier, a little more inspired, and a little more invested in yourself and the world. Please remember to subscribe to this podcast and leave a review. Thank you. Okay. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the latest episode of the Nativist Podcast. And I'm really, really psyched about today's guest. She's somebody that I connected with on Instagram. Love it for that reason. And she is just a warrior queen. I am so stoked to talk about just life and everything with her. And I'm here with Lou. Lou, how's it going? It's going good. Thank you, Whitney. Good, good, good. I like it. I'll you take really it. I are. Have, I do have the warrior braids kind of going. Yes, and it's like a Viking queen. And it does mean warrior. I actually have it on my necklace that I'm wearing right now. But it's it actually cool. means warrior, which is pretty cool. Yeah, I love that. Totally Great love that. Show. So tell us about yourself. Okay, so I am, <laughs> I'm from a military family. So I grew up an army brat. We moved around to bases a lot growing up. My dad is typical, what you picture, military father. So very strict upbringing. I have 10, there's 10, there's 10 children in my family. So a very large family, very religious family wow. and very structured. And so lots of rules. Yeah. Lots yeah. of like, it was just very rigid and very structured. And we moved around a lot, got to see a lot of places and people in fact, if you've seen The Sound of Music, <laughs> just picture that because <laughs> parents actually named some of their children from that movie. No ironically. way. Name is from that. Louisa is one of the oh. daughters. One, one of the older blonde ones. Brigitta is my oldest sister. Okay. Yeah. And then I have another sister named Liesel. And oh, I love that. They didn't continue with the tradition, but it's it's ironic because I feel like that family, my dad kind of drew from that movie a little a little in his life so I kind of grew up like that we did a lot of singing too so yeah it was fun do you still sing Um, I do I used to sing a lot in church um, oh okay cool now I feel like I don't know where the opportunity is to do that yeah have to join some group or something what about you no I wish if I could choose one talent it would be to just be able to belt it so I bow down to you do you, you play guitar, piano, anything? Yeah, I mean, amateurishly. I can see you rocking a uke in your really, yeah, in your closet. I love that. I <laughs> totally be into that. Sorry, not to cut in, but tell us more about you because you're fascinating. Uh, so, anyways, that was kind of my upbringing, and we we got a lot of love for like if we said a prayer really well, or if we, in the church that I, I grew up Mormon. So in our church, you would get up sometimes and give talks or bear your testimony about what you believe in. And so we would get a lot of love from my parents for bearing a good testimony or talking about our spirituality or for repeating my dad's spiritual ideology to him in a scripture study. And we would get a lot of love for having good grades too. So those were kind of the things that we focused on as children and even talking to my siblings, they can relate. That's kind of where love was found in our home. In order to get love, you needed to be good at those things. And so those were priority in my life growing up since I've matured. And since I've come into my own individual and who I am as a person, I've learned um, a lot about myself and that those things do not resonate with me. And um, so right now I'm in very much a huge spiritual journey of, I'm, I feel like I'm just in so much discovery. Everything is new to me now. Everything's mysterious now. Everything is just, honestly, it's incredible. It's, I, I never have viewed the world this way and I'm, I'm 30 years old. So like, I feel like I should have been here a while back, but I'm glad I'm here where I'm at now. And I can look back and learn from the good things in the religious community that I, that I had, but now where I'm at is just, I mean, it's, it's just eye-opening and I feel like there's so much to learn and so much to do and be and discover. And it's exciting. I'm in a very exciting time in life right now. 
I love that you're framing it that way because understandably so I know some people that would rattle them and they'd be very shook by the unknown and the uncertainty and venturing out into spiritual realms that they were previously unacquainted with. I mean, that can really shake you, you know, instead of just doing it, it, this is so exciting. Yeah, there's definitely some fear there, but it's- Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. And it's an exciting, like fear is exciting too, you know? Yes, yes, yes. It is. It really is. So many questions stemming from what you had just said, because there's a lot to unpack there with the church and I grew up LDS too, Mormon too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and so I don't know about you and I want to get into this later, seeing how it shows up in ways that I didn't previously recognize. And even I'm 34 and even still I'm like uncovering ways that it's shown up and like the way that I view myself and the world and all of that. And I thought I was like pretty dialed into all of that. And even still I'm like, oh, <laughs> that's why I am the way that I am with this. And so I really want to talk to you about that. But you having grown up in that kind of home and that dynamic, how does that affect how you parent? Oh, that's a good question. I learned mostly what not to do from my parents. I learned a lot of what to do, but I learned a lot of what not to. And by that, I mean the fear-based parenting does not feel good in my soul. And I can't do it. I try it because it's what I was familiar with. It's what I knew. It's what I would see see all around me was just fear-based. Got spanked growing up all the time with the belt, with the hand. We would get spankings and it was fear-based all around. Religion was fear-based. My parents were fear-based. And so it was just fear, just all this fear in our, in these little children, like they don't need that. And so that is where it I do not believe in a fear-based way of, of living. And so I try so hard and it's hard because these are like, this is ingrained in me. And so venture into a new realm of parenting that I have never seen anyone give a good example of. I don't even know what it looks like. I just feel like I'm winging it and I hope I'm doing a decent job and my kids know I love them, but honestly, it's a lot of questioning them. So no need to control them, no need to fear them into making decisions, but I ask them a lot, what do you think? Ooh, I love that. Yes. How do you feel? What do you think? Yes. And that's honestly my go-to. I love that so much. I feel like that's so empowering and it lets them know that they have agency and control. I mean, you're still the parent, but control over their lives and a say in it sets them up I think for success later that gives them the tools to help them be their own person and find their own way right and like really dig deep and how do you what do you and it it really turn and turn to turn into who they are as an individual and like you said I didn't feel empowered at all growing up especially as a woman in the oh gosh (laughs) another thing to put on top of it but yeah. You just feel like a nope. You have no say you have no meaning. You're just, yeah. So none of that, none of that. Love that so much. And from where I'm sitting, you're crushing it <laughs> with the parenting. Well, I bow down cause I'm not a parent. And I just think that that is so just impressive just to be able to parent. Cause from what I hear and what I see, there's a lot of questioning yourself. There's a lot of questioning your methods. There's a lot of like just unknowns and figuring it out as you go and nobody has it figured out. And then you pile on the mom shame that sometimes comes from people. And it's like, okay, back off. Let me just do it my way. Yeah. It is their own unique little soul. And we just, and I have my own unique soul and it's blending those two together and how they mesh and yes. So you can't have a set way of parenting either. Like you got to be fluid things are going to change. So that's important too, but for sure, for sure. And so are you, was your husband LDS? Was he Mormon? Was we actually met at BYU in Provo. I remember. Tell us the story. Cause it's really cute. Like <laughs> you guys got together. So I graduated from high school early. So I ended up going to BYU when I was 17 Ooh, nice. and in um, Sunday school, actually. And I had my Book of Mormon and my Bible sitting on the desk, getting ready for Sunday school. And this big, handsome guy walked <laughs> by the desk and sits right behind me. And I guess as he walked by, he glanced at my name on my Book of Mormon in gold cursive, you know, on the. <laughs> yes. Door. 
sat down behind me and goes, Hey, Louisa. And I was like, what the, who is that guy? How do yeah. you know my name? Anyways. So he, he read my name off my scriptures and followed me home to my apartment that Sunday after church. And we talked and got to know each other. And I broke up with my boyfriend from back home that night. Wow. So instant vibing apparently. Oh, yeah. So honest. Like I just, I was so shocked by his just honesty about life and who he is and what he wanted. And just honesty was really, really attractive and refreshing. So he's from the Mormon colonies in Mexico. Okay. And so then when you guys like diverged and left the church, were you guys obviously on the same page because you're in it together, but how did that go for both of you guys? Like on your same journey? Right. So, I mean, that looked a little different. After we graduated BYU, we moved straight to the Mormon, straight to my husband's farm in Mexico, where he's from. And we started farming there. And my husband started having, like, he was always having doubts and he's always very honest. So he would always tell me where he was at spiritually. And I always had a lot of doubts too, but I never really gave them much thought because I thought doubts were from Satan and doubts were evil. You should never have doubts. And so I was really quick to push those aside because I knew that um, I'd been told that those were evil things to be thinking. And so I was really good at just getting rid of them quick, but they would come and they would come frequently and they would come often. And they were always a part of my spiritual journey and have always been. But my husband is more of the type where if he has a doubt, he's going to dig into it and he's going to find the answer. And he's the patriarch of the family and he's the Mormon, you know, man of the home and he's going to find the answers. And so he started digging. And now that we have phones these days and uh, you can just type a good old question in Google. I mean, information is everywhere. Everywhere. Totally. You cannot hide it. So if you are going to have truth claims in your religion or anywhere, you better be right because information is right in the palm of your hand. So true. So he started digging in and he, his faith journey hit a little bit sooner than mine. Um, He came across some podcasts and um, literature and started reading and was just really shocked at some things he was hearing about the church that he never had heard growing up and started digging into it and finding out it was true and that there's a lot more to the story than we're told. And he would mention it to me. And the first time he did, I got really angry. Um, I was pregnant at the time and we were going to have this beautiful eternal family. And yeah. I was picturing my Mormon family and it was just going to be the most perfect thing ever. And yes. so he was destroying this vision I had created in my yeah. head of what we were going to be. And so I got really frustrated and angry that he was, I told him not to stop listening to the podcast, to stop reading those books. I got really upset. So what did, what that did in return was close him off from talking to me about that. He's like, okay, Luis is not a safe place for me to be sharing these things with her. I will now go do it in secret. You know, of course, like sure. this is the journey. I'm not going to, con- I was acting like I could control him by telling him he didn't need to do this and couldn't do this. And so what happens in a relationship when you try to control? Well, mm-hmm. usually the opposite and that's where secrecy and um, all of that lies. So that's what happened. Okay delving in deeper and going on his journey alone, um, which was great for him and kudos to him. He just slowly let me get to that point myself. And we didn't even talk about it, but on Facebook one day, I think it was in 2014, I was young women's president, which means I was over the youth group of our church, the girls, like the teenage girls in our, in our church. I was kind of the leader of that group. And so, you know that you're Mormon, but for the listeners out there who don't. Thank you. And I came across this Facebook story about Joseph Smith marrying multiple women and 14 year olds and lots of underage things. And I read it and I'm I'm in charge of the teenage girls in my ward. And I feel very like I'm their steward and I'm supposed to protect them. And I needed to know if this was true or not. And I started doing research and that just led to more research and led to so much more. And um, I talked to it with my husband and we just, we just, from there, we just went on this incredible spiritual journey, digging into, we kind of put ourselves back and we're like, okay, is the church true? We now have two children. We are going to be teaching them these things. We need to know for a fact if it's true for us. 
at that point, I think we were just doing it because it was culturally what we knew. It was normal. It was just what we'd been told to do our whole lives. But we got to a point where we were like, no, we're going back to the beginning. How do we feel? Not how do our parents feel? How do we feel about this? Are we going to be, we kind of were like, okay, we're going to be converts. We're going to, we're going to invest. We're going to be investigators is the word that the church uses. Is it true? And we just started investigating everything. And it is in fact, not what it claims it is, which was devastating. Well, I lost my trust in so many things. They lost my trust. The church lost my trust and it was devastating. It was a loss. We had to mourn. We had to mourn the loss of a, something that brought so much beauty and it did, but it was definitely um, a mourning process. There was hate, there was fear, there was anger, there was resentment. Oh my goodness. And it was pretty ugly for a time. I feel like that's the case with anything that you lose that had so much impact on your life, but man, we are in such a good place now. Good. That makes me so happy. And I admire and respect you so much for going on that investigation and that journey because that's not easy. And to confront like something. Yeah. And I, I mean, I have a little bit of a different story because I had a mom who wasn't LDS and then a dad who, who was. And so luckily, like I had well, I don't want to say one foot out, but like a parent who was like, Hey, whatever you want to do, I'll support it. But I have so many friends who are disillusioned by the church and they're not into it anymore. And they've lost faith. And, and I, you get that you empathize with the parents. It's all fear-based and people say what they say for a reason and do what they do for a reason. And when they do ugly things, it's, you know, because it's, they're swallowed up with fear, but still like some of the, the ugly things that their parents have said to their kids for leaving the church or for even just having a drink or for doing something that's not right aligned with the church. And gosh, my heart just goes out to them because that's, it's not easy to forge your own way. And it's especially, I can understand being a parent and you feel responsible, like whatever I'm going to teach my kid, this is impactful. Like you've shown, this is very impactful. Like these values that I'm teaching and gosh, it just gets deeply baked into your life and influences the person that you become and how you view life and the world and all of that and so to be like well no I want to make dang sure that this is what I believe before I pass this on to my kids instead of just and no disrespect to anybody who who does um but just like regurgitates what they've heard and just perpetuates and carries it on yeah easy it did not make it began to not make sense to me at all and I'd always like I said I had a lot of doubts I had I never had answers to we can get into the women issues in the church, but <laughs> in the temple and yes, yes, yes. Women have no say we are nothing more than a, than a vessel for motherhood. And um, our eternity is going to be in a polygamous relationship with a God to make God babies for them. And that probably sounds bizarre to the listeners, but that is honestly what we are taught Totally. And to think that that's heaven is sounds like hell. And yes. so as a woman, especially it's, <sighs> Joseph Smith's spirituality is not my spirituality, but so it does with some people. And I think there is some parts of it that are just beautiful and yes. there's a lot of goodness, but it does not resonate with my soul. Members of any religion just need to realize that spirituality is an individual yes. process. Yes. We cannot group it into these churches. Like it, unless your church is able to be fluid and move and grow and but the mormon church has a lot of claims and they are very black and white and you cannot be half in and half out unless you want to be punished for it yes church that you can't push boundaries and it's a church where you can't step outside the lines or you get your your you get your worthiness card taken from you and you lose privileges and you're shunned and people don't want to admit it but it's true and it's awful and it and it things for families in that sense. Absolutely. I completely agree. And I want your take on this too, because I find this with myself and I've talked to my, my dad and my sister who are in it. And just there's this undercurrent of shame that is with you all the time. Like you always, even if you're not getting your recommend taken or you're not having any like punishments, you just, at least I will speak for me personally, always felt like I just wasn't doing enough, being enough. Like I always just felt like 
guilty for not even doing anything, right? But I just was never pious enough. I was never good enough. I was never worthy enough. Like I just always just felt like I wasn't, there's always the judgment that you just constantly feel like people are watching you and looking for any missteps. And like there's the sins mission and then there's the sins of omission, which are like the things you aren't doing are even sinful. Like going to temple work, going to the temple in the Mormon church is a big thing for adults and you need to go do work there and you need to, and you need to improve the family history. And there's so much you can be doing. And so, yeah, that perfectionist culture will, man, that, that hurts a lot of, especially women. They feel so pressured. Well, everybody, the shame and not, not being enough, not doing enough. You go to church and you just hear about how you're not doing enough. And I would come home from church on Sundays just drained and exhausted about how awful of a human being I am for not not spending more time going to visit that one sister that I was supposed to visit this week or making a casserole for the lady down the street or cookies for the kids at the, you know, I, I mean, yes. it's all thing you're feeling bad about, always yes. not doing Yes. So it's not like it's like inspiring you to, oh, let's like do this, be more, say more, whatever. It just comes from a lack of like a place of like just fear and lack of acceptance. And I think that's why it's so depleting and draining. I'm so with you. Like I would just dread going to church. Yeah. Cause you'd just feel drained at the end. Like I am a piece of shit. Sad, but that's, that is how I would feel too. And it's, yeah, you should feel no seriously at all. No. And that's the way God, whatever that means to you. Right. Wants you to feel. Yes, exactly. And for the people like who feel like it resonates with them, awesome. Like, and that's what's so important. And like you had pointed out too, it's such an individual journey. You got to go to on on your own and not just what you've been taught and what your parents have taught you and people in your community have like told you is right. Like dial into yourself and figure out, okay, what feels good with me? What sits right with me? And that's what I'm going to go with instead of just what you've been fed. Right. And that's not easy. Hard jump. Yep. It's a hard jump, but it's a good one. Yeah. Okay. So tell me about living in Mexico. Like what were your thoughts when you first knew that you were going to move to Mexico? Were you like, sweet? Yeah. I mean, I was excited. I been to the Mormon colonies before. So there's a group of, there's a neighborhood of Mormons that live in Mexico. Um, The history there is that in the late 1800s, the prophet of the Mormon church sent certain families to come down to Mexico because they were getting prosecuted for um, practicing polygamy, plural marriage. And so to escape that, they came across the border so they could live in polygamous marriages and families. Nice. So they still exist today from that early 1900, late 1800 group. And their homes are still there and there's still a community there. They are no longer polygamists. Okay. The church dropped that. I think in the early 1900s, I want to say I could be wrong on that, but I think it reached by the early 1900s and it's no longer in practice. Um, But so these colonies still exist and that's where my, my husband's family's from. They have homes there. We lived there for four years. That's where we ended up leaving the church is actually while we were living in the Mormon colony, which was very hard because it's such a small town and everyone knows everything about your business and gossip spreads like wildfire and it's, it gets ugly quick. I mean, there's a lot of beauty to living in a small town too. So, but it was hard to go through a faith crisis there for sure. But yeah, so we, we lived there for four years. My husband's a farmer and um, his family has owned land here for forever since the 1900s. So wow. I love it. The community is good. All American. They, the wives all speak English. Most of them are from Utah. Their husbands go out and find a wife at BYU, same story as mine and bring them down and want to live their good, happy Mormon family life. And it really is a beautiful community. I mean, oh, good. It's, it is a beautiful place to live. Beautiful. The families there are just incredible people and families. I think just the small town can kind of get to your mental state sometimes, but sure. But other than that, no, we loved it. Love growing yeah. up. Kids all drive around the street in four wheelers and nice. free. like my boys just go from home to home and playing with friends all day and yeah. just kind of cowboys and Indian style out there. Right and, and, and 
it's it's fun. I I love it. I love everything Good. about it. Yeah. So what about like the language? What I mean, the people in like where you are immediately mix of English and Spanish. Like what's that situation? Yeah, so like? only the Mormon neighborhood speaks English. Okay. <laughs> like that's it we're just in that little tiny bubble and I mean it's probably a total of maybe 250 people that's oh wow we stick to we stick to ourselves which is kind of it's not the best like we aren't very the Mormon community isn't very good at integrating or what's the right word for culture assimilation integrating yeah yeah yeah. we have a lot of work to do (laughs) and I because we can get by with socializing with ourselves and speaking English with ourselves and all the wives are American and so we can get away with it. And so we do. Yeah. Um, I did. And, but everyone else speaks Spanish. And so I've learned right. how to go to the grocery store. I, I can do just about anything basic with get by with my Spanish skills. Nice. <laughs> A lot of work to do. A lot of work. <laughs> Learning another language. Well, there, the church owns it still. And I taught there for four years while we lived there. I taught third grade and it's That's bilingual. Right half the day English, half the day Spanish. And um, it's just this tiny, fun little community of, they're all all in ag and they're all Mormon and nice. So how was teaching for you? Did you love it? Did you like it? Yeah, I went to school for that. So I think I have a lot of knowledge in it and I feel comfortable and I feel um, confident in it. And I also taught in Utah for a year too. So it's something I'm, I feel like I'm good at. Yeah. I would have picked (laughs) now where I'm at now at least I think I picked it because it it was a good Mormon mom job and I feel like there's a few of those good Mormon mom jobs that you are told from a very young age as a mother that you know you could maybe be a teacher or you could maybe be a nurse but you're mostly mom and those are just to have them in case maybe your husband dies yes exactly that is such Like, oh, I'm just, it's something I'm still a little frustrated about because I feel so dang limited. I limited myself because I believed that. And so here I am at 30 and I'm just like, mm, okay, I'm putting that aside. You know what? Start going for your dreams. What do you like? You. Good at it. What are you interested in? Get good at it. Learn from somebody. What do you like? What? Yes, like, yes, now yes, I'm- yes. And I should have figured this out, you know, 10 years ago, but Hey, it's never too late. And I feel like you can always keep growing and learning. So here I am. Well said, well said. It's not my passion, but I did like I was good at it and I enjoyed it while I did it. Right on. Well, that counts for something for sure. Um, and so getting into, and I know that we won't go very deep because this is a pretty (laughs) inflammatory topic, but patriarchy because I'm so with you and like especially in the church and that's something that just ever more like I just keep waking up to just the influence and just how far it goes and how deep it goes and how it's affected me and I'm just more and more I want to say outraged that's no exaggeration like this is just bullshit and so a while ago on my stories, I had posed a question and it was kind of unrelated and I didn't expect it to take this turn. And um, like, we won't go get too detailed here, but um, I had asked a question about just, it was kind of about body image. It was just kind of about sex education and how people had felt theirs was like in school. And a lot of people DM me on the side and were like, yeah, so I grew up Mormon and blah, 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 blah. And because of that, that affected how I saw myself. I had a lot of body shame. I didn't ever accept myself. That affected intimacy. That affected just basically like the underlying was it affected my, my body image and how I see myself. And that's something that really struck me. And that's something that I didn't really recognize until person after person after person was telling me this and they were all females and they were all saying I just have never quite accepted myself because of that because of the way that the church is structured and their teachings and you're kind of always just in that like shame culture and how you're always kind of just taught that you're just never enough and any like you can go deep into it but you just always feel like you're guiltier you're sinful or shameful or whatever and that just has really lingered and affected a lot of people myself included and I see how it's affected I mean modesty and I understand that there's a value to that and I understand like you don't want to just go bear all young girls but I also 
think that that has kind of been carried too far in a way. And I see how that affects people's females body images. Have you experienced that? And you can say as much as you want to feel comfortable saying, but what are your thoughts on that? Oh, (laughs) (laughs) Um, modesty culture is the way that the church goes about teaching it or the way I was raised to believe in it was that my body, who I am is just sinful to begin with. Yes. Yes. So cover it up. Yes. Cover your shoulders. Don't show a thing cover. I mean, to your knee, I, I could never wear shorts above my knee kneecap. My parents were extremely strict on modesty. For some reason, it was a big thing in our home. Uh, some Mormons are a little lot more lax on it, but my dad took it very seriously. And so did my mother. And so shorts to the knee, never show your shoulder. You always had to have a sleeve on, um, just you are sinful. You are sinful. Oh, you're going through puberty. Oh my gosh. You're even more sinful now. Cover it up even more. And I remember walking down the stairs one day to go to school and I had on one of those tie, you know, how those little tie shirts were in and you would like, you would wear a shirt, an undershirt, like a long shirt. And then it would tie at the, at the, like at the um, bra line kind of cute. Yeah. Long sleeves. And it was really cute my dad saw me and he said, do you know what men are thinking right now when they see you? And he, he went on to tell me exactly what men are thinking when they see me in detail. Oh man. I was was maybe 16, 15. Oh man. To tell me exactly what they would do to me. Exactly. Gosh. Um, and everything was covered. Mind you, I had the longest undershirt on. Yeah. I was, I had barely developed. I think I was barely getting into like a cup bras and, and I just, and this happened a lot. There was a lot of fear, fear fear-based parenting going on in my teenage years as a woman. Um, All the things that men were thinking and that men would do to me if they saw me wearing something, even if it came to red lipstick. I mean, it got down to that. Wow. Style of parenting. So um, extremely damaging. I felt like I was just walking around wearing a <laughs> like I yeah. I I didn't know what to do I didn't know what was right I didn't know what was wrong and the fact that my body was so disturbing to people from what I had heard <laughs> yeah yeah from what they're telling me yeah me and it was so it just it really did a lot of damage to me and I'm 30 years old and I'm still working through it totally totally so like okay, what's okay? What's not? What? Yeah. Why? Like, oh, why, why can't I just wear what I feel comfortable wearing? And if I want, if I'm feeling a little more sexy that day, why can't I show that? And if I'm feeling a little more relaxed that day and I want to feel that way, why can't I wear something more relaxed? And I kind of use fashion as more of an expression and like an art, how I'm feeling and my mood. And it has nothing to do with my value or my worth or any of that, but exactly. damn it. And I still struggle with it, girl. Yeah. Oh. oh, I hear you. Yeah. And I also like just took issue, take issue with the the idea that it's all on us and that we're the oh. sinful ones and it's just don't tempt them. Like we're these walking temptresses, like trying to do them in. And I just, I just feel like there's such a lack of accountability with that too. Um, with it's not just us like learn to control yourself or there needs to be some regulation on your part and it's not just the way that we're dressed is what determines gosh um I don't want to go too too deep into that but I just feel like there's such a blame game with women and putting it all on us and the way that we're dressed and I'm with you man like I want to be able to dress the way that I want to when I want to dress that way and it's such a self-expression and it's wild to me because the, the body is so beautiful and natural and to have it just like demonized in a way, I think is just such a shame. Oh, I'm unlearning all of those things about myself still. Yeah. yeah. So true. And I feel a lot of it's just in trial and error. I mean, I, I try things and I'm like, oh, I didn't feel good about that decision or like, yeah. you know, I probably shouldn't have worn that on occasion. Yeah. And it's gotten to the point like, I, I got to this point where I just felt really empowered about myself and, and leaving the church. And I was just in this, like, I can, I'm in control of my body. I can choose what I want to do. And I got really into that. 
and I would wear, I wore like a thong bikini on a, on a family <laughs> trip to like <laughs> Good for you. Oh, oh. And oh, the talk and the <laughs> comments and the, and it was a Mormon family trip, mind you. And so you're like, well, there's teenage nephews out there. And I just did not, I just, I'm so, I think I was just in this, like, you do you Lou. And that yeah. feels good. Yeah. I like that. And that looks great on you. And and I didn't think anything else. My intention was not to seduce my nephew, my 16 year old nephew, you know? And so I just think it was funny because the family just took such offense, offense to it. Um, which if I put myself in the Mormon brain, yeah, I would probably have been offended too. But sure. damn it, I'm on a freaking journey and it you're feels a- good. And that's the thing. And I think that that's, that's part of the journey. Like you're just figuring out, especially when you've been like repressed on one end. And then you like kind of come into your own and you're like, okay, like, okay. Let's, just, let's do this. What are we going to, yeah, exactly. Just oh, literally God. like trying stuff on and feeling like what feels good to me and just kind of finding your own groove and your own rhythm and whatever like is going to be your lane and figuring it all out. And when you've been so far on one end of the spectrum, you're going to have like some experiences on the other side as you're trying to figure that out. And oh Yeah. yeah. I'm sitting here figuring it out. I still don't know. If it's I still can't tell you if I thought it was a good decision or not. I just, I'm still like, you know what? I thought you. my intentions were great. And then I'm like, eh, I can see their point, but damn it. I felt empowered in that freaking thong bikini. So, you know, I just still go back and forth so much on it. It's, it's hard. It's hard, but I'm trying to good balance, I guess, with it all and still have that self-love without the need to show it all off. But there's times where I just feel this rage of like empowerment and who I am. And I, I think a lot of it has to do with your right, the extreme way of the opposite and kind of wanting to balance it by going extreme in the other way at times. And sometimes I feel like I want need to do that. I have to do that. I don't know why. Yeah. But it's kind of more to prove to myself that my body is not what I've been told it is. Totally. And I like, I see, I see what you mean. Like where you're like, I get this side, I get this side, I get this angle. I get why they'd do it like that. But more and more lately, I'm just so of the mind that I'm like, you just do you as long as you're not like intentionally trying to exactly like, you're not trying to seduce your nephew, but God, you have to be able to do you and people are going to have thoughts on that. And they're going to, have things to say about it no matter what but I'm so over just doing like having other people's thoughts affect how I'm going to live my life and that's not okay like at some point you just got to live your life no matter what people say and I think and I also think that the human body is beautiful and it's so wild to me that we just act like we don't all have the same parts it doesn't necessarily mean that we need to like go shove it in somebody's face but I mean we're all like working with pretty much the same equipment you know what I mean like it's just why do we act like we're not all the same and so that goes into like decency and all of that but I'm just like do it girl if you feel good do it no matter what people think so I I get it and I get the the back and forth and I'm with you there and you're still yeah I still try to figure out what I'm going to wear and how I'm going to feel about it after I wear it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so tell me about, cause you, um, you're into fitness, super fit. Um, and how has that affected like your fitness journey and body image and all of that? Well, I feel like once my husband and I officially left the church, like we had to get a lawyer, sign a paper and send it to the, do the whole wow. thing. Wow. Officially our names removed. I, I, we both moved into this another, another level of, of living. Right. And it was just like, okay, discovery and experiment. And does this work? Does this work? What do we think about this? And we trial and error and a lot of bad decisions were made. A lot of good ones were made, but a lot of knowledge was gained in the process. And one of my big outlets that I used at the time, cause I, we had decided at that time when we left the church that we were done having kids at, at two which before that, uh, with the Mormon mindset, that was not the case. Um, Have all the kids. After, <laughs> yeah. After leaving, yeah, after leaving the church, we totally shifted. Um, mm-hmm. 
we totally pivoted on that and shifted gears and our mindset changed drastically when it came to that aspect of our life. And so I felt a sense of empowerment now because I was no longer who I thought I was going to be three months ago, which was just going to be a vessel for bringing God's spirit children to the world to become Mormons and spread the Mormon faith and church through children. Yes. And that was honestly what I thought I was going to do with my life. That was my purpose. And it sounds bizarre saying that now, but that was legitimately my purpose. I was going to have six to eight kids and do what my mom did and have a blessed life. So that changed (laughs) once we decided to, and I was like, Oh, I'm, I'm done having children. Like my body is mine. What can I do with this? This is an empowering thing to think. Like I never thought I would be dealing. I never thought I'd have this opportunity. I was this, this new, like mind blown idea that my body belongs to me now. It's not for God's use or his spirit's children's use or it's mine. And so I got really into fitness as this, as this channel for that energy. And I know in life, there's not a lot we can control especially in farming. We know that the weather hits and our crop is done. You know, there's, we can't control hardly anything that we think we can. But the one thing I found like that I could control at that time was my my body and what I was feeding it and how I was fueling it and how I was changing it. And I hired a fitness coach and did a bikini competition at the time too, which I'm just going to say it's extremely it's extreme. Okay. Bodybuilding is an extreme sport. It's not a lifestyle. I don't think people should do it. If they have bad body image, I don't think it's for everybody. It is an extreme thing to do. Okay. Just going to say that (laughs) it's not a a good look for anybody. Okay. You are, you are shrinking to a level that is uncomfortable for your body and for you to show your muscle development for judges. You are an athlete. It's It's not some fun little let's get skinny trip. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's extreme. And um, I learned a lot. I learned a lot in that journey, but I I loved the ability to control um, my my body and how it was changing. And I could like buy my eating habits and buy my working out. And it just felt really empowering to me. And I think I needed that as an outlet at the time. We had just left the church and I I think I enjoyed the power in it and the sense I don't know. It felt really good to me at the time. So I, I ventured down that and I did a bikini competition, which again, modesty, uh, my dad hated me for that and called me many beautiful names for competing in that competition. Um, prostitute. Oh uh, gosh. An emaciated prisoner of war. Oh, wow. Oh, just so- void, of, void of spirituality, prostituting myself with my clitoris out. Wow. Uh, these are all quotes. Wow. So, and you know what? I was in such an empowered state of mind. And like, I was so every part of my day was into this competition that I, it was really devastating to hear him say that, but yeah, it was my journey and damn it. Yeah. I love, Good I love you. So, um, that was fun and that was unique. And I learned a lot from it and I've, I've channeled that into kind of now I'm a nutrition coach, but I'm most definitely not coaching people to go get on stage in a bikini and do anything extreme like that. I take a very gentle approach to it, just kind of balanced and macros. And if you want to lose weight, let's lose weight. If you want to gain weight, let's gain weight. If your goal is what's your goal, how can I help you by controlling your nutrition a little bit more and keeping that in in check? So it's allowed me to start a business now that I never thought I'd so having that passion has now opened the door for a business I never thought I'd be good at or know anything yeah. about. Yeah, so, yeah. That's so, so great. And fun. Yeah. And every, yeah, every experience is for a purpose and opens new doors and that's awesome. How, so how has that been the nutrition coaching? It's, it's been really good. I mean, good. I don't know. I just kind of started it. I looked at other people and what they did and I was like, okay, so I great. Can, yeah. I'm still learning and changing things. Yeah. And, but man, everything's, if you want to, be a coach or start a business, anyone that's listening to this, you just have to go to YouTube and yes. or find someone that does a good job of it online and, and call them. Yeah. Yeah. Don't you love that? And speaking of that and podcasting and you just started your own podcast. That's the beauty of the world that we're living in now is the playing field is level. 
Like we yeah. have access to this. Yeah. You want to start a podcast? You start a podcast before, like yeah. you would have needed like a license and a broadcast network and a this and a this and a this. Not now. Like you just go. Isn't it awesome? <laughs> it's, it's so awesome. Everything is, is right there. And yes. a lot free. there's so many free resources. If you want to become something you're, or gain a skill in something, it's right on your phone. It's literally. Right yeah. Which is so fantastic. Yeah. yeah. And I love it. And I love that it allows like different voices to be heard that you normally wouldn't hear and talent. There's so much talent out there. And yeah, if you have an interest, you just dig into it and some information right there. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't use my college degree for what I'm doing right now. Yeah. You? I, I do in my other life. Yeah. <laughs> so I feel like I have like two lives. I have like my full-time job and then I have like all of this going on. Um, but yeah, other than that, like it's completely separate from what I do. And yeah, it's, that's what I love is you can teach yourself. I mean, you can take classes from Harvard or like Khan Academy, you know, that are like Harvard, there are some Harvard based classes. Yeah. So many different courses Yay. online. Yeah. It's great. Okay. So I have some quick questions for you that I'm just going to throw at you. If you are down for it, Don't okay. at me. let's do it. What motivates you? What motivates me? Um, hmm, just life living it just oh, yeah. so much. Like I said, there's just so much to discover and I'm just motivated to live in the moment now. And so knowing that death might be the end mm -hmm. is a big motivator for me. Yeah. Now, I never had that perspective before. And that might sound really strange, but living in the present is something I did not believe in, in Mormonism. We were very focused on the past and we're very focused on the future life. So true. But now that I have left that behind, I'm just like so motivated by the fact that this might be it. So the relationships and the moment you're in right now, that is powerful. And oh. that life is something I never believed in or, or even considered. So huge motivator, especially right now for me. Totally 100% with you. So, well, that kind of answers the other question. What inspires you? So we'll just skip on to the next one. What has been the most humbling experience of your life? Humbling, um, leaving the church and being isolated and, um, gossiped about and, oh belittled and called names and and learning to be okay with people thinking awful things about you and it still is extremely humbling because sure. there's still so many lies and gossip and rumors and a lot that's been said and has been said and gossip gossip has a big impact and people believe it yeah. so it's been really humbling to take the path take that the path like, to leave the church because I feel like my life would have been so much more peaceful at times and dandy and comfortable if I had stayed on that but I feel like being able to take the rockier road to my freedom and truth has been incredibly humbling I had to just learn so much about myself and put my out there in ways I didn't know I could and be humble through my relearning and yeah. making tons of mistakes and not knowing what I'm doing and not knowing the answers to questions and not, and unlearning and, and yeah, just that whole discovery of just tearing down truths that I used to have and now no longer having it and not knowing what to lean on. That's been very humbling <laughs> and apologizing for the ways I used to think about things and yeah, believe, yeah, yeah. which and I'm Oh, I don't believe anymore. I'm sorry. I said that. I'm sorry. I thought that way, you know? And so, I think that's a good mind, way to live though, too. It is. And I'm always changing my mind on things yeah. and I'm always trying to grow. And so I feel like life just humbles you. Every I was just, yeah. Opportunity. Yeah. Well, and I was going to say like, that's just life in general, but what you just described is life on steroids and just a magnified, amplified effect of just re-questioning or questioning previous beliefs or re 
like reflecting on where you've been and where you're going and all of that like that is just I mean hopefully what people do throughout life but that's just a very intense intense version of it and learning to dig in and be okay if people aren't okay with the way that you're living your life like that right there is so hard to do especially if it's coming from family or people really close to you that's not easy so I have a lot of respect for you for weathering that yeah I guess just being able to at times be the only one that loves yourself yeah being okay with that yeah yeah that's really what it comes down to yeah and yeah like I was it yesterday that I posted like it's not my it's not your job to love me it's my job to love me and that's what it really comes down to exactly yeah Yeah. that post you made that really resonated thank you true yeah it is um okay so one more question for you um what is a message that you have for the world what would you want to tell everybody Oh, oh my gosh. These are hard I questions. threw a curveball. <laughs> no, I love it. Um, just that there is so much beauty in life once we tear down all the things that divide us as human beings, religion, politics, get all of the things that divide us, race, gender, get rid of it. Get rid of it because yes. anything that is causing division is not allowing for love to enter. And there is so much to discover in humans and in life and in living when we can get rid of fear and division. Yes, that is powerful. And that's when life will get beautiful for you. So I'm, I'm just, I'm striving to be an example of that and finding my own freedom and just through self-discovery and love, love's the answer love wins love is the answer to any question thank you so much for sharing your story gosh what thank a you, story um no, thank you and i'm pretty cool that you can relate to a lot of it too we have a lot in, in common when it comes to our upbringing in certain yeah. ways but. yeah definitely definitely okay so you have a podcast will you tell people where they can find you and listen to you Okay, so we're on we're on Spotify. I we're still getting approved for iTunes, but it's Vikingo and Lou. That's my husband's name. But mostly I'm big on Instagram. I post stories every single day, probably way too much, just kind of my lifestyle. And then um I'm Lou Bluth on Instagram. Look me up. Um, my husband's hilarious too. He's a fun red-bearded farmer. We just live out here in the middle of nowhere in Chihuahua and Find me on Instagram at Lou Bluth. We have a podcast. Um, we're going to probably have another episode out maybe Monday. Yay. So that's just more about marriage and connection and learning how to parent and all that. So good stuff. Good stuff. Okay. And I'll put all of that in the show notes too, but thank you for your time and you rule and everybody go follow her. <laughs> Thanks. For some inspiration. Thank you.